MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Today, the two Pats... Cipollone and Philbin were interviewed by the Department of Justice in the Trump espionage investigation. Reps Maloney and Thompson send another letter to the DHS Inspector General Kufari, who is now stonewalling congressional oversight. Biden signs the Build Back Better plan into law. And the Department of Justice drops another filing on the Navarro docket. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how's it going today? I am good, AG. How are you? I fell down and hit my head this morning. So I don't know if I'm ever supposed to bring these things up. When we get, <laughs> so I always pretend like I don't know because I'm trying when you're like, how are you? And I'm like, fine. How are you going to tell the listeners about the bruise on your head? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. I've Jesus. got a big knot. Um, I've got a black eye. I hit my head so hard. Please, just so you listeners know, I have immediately told her to go to the doctor and she's not to fall asleep tonight without medical attention. So by the time you hear this, know that she's taken all precautions because I have yelled at her sternly. (laughs) Yes. And I was already planning on going to the doctor as soon as we're done here with the news. So um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up in case, you know, maybe like the first to the first time I read the intro, I called it Wednesday, August 19th. So I might have some I might have some news reading issues today. <laughs> uh, so I just want to kind of let everybody know. I mean, it can't be as bad as me trying to pronounce rural. Rural <laughs> juror. Rural Rural. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, of course, we're going to have the good news at the end of the show. If you have any good news you want to send to us, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and just click on contact. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Wow, you just jumped right into it. (laughs) Absolutely zero segues today. (laughs) No, you're like, and we're going to do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Okay. Well, let's, we moved on to the hot notes. (laughs) First up, Patsy Baloney and Patrick Philbin. The White House counsel and deputy under President Trump were interviewed by the FBI in connection with the boxes of sensitive documents that were stored at Mar-a-Lago. Mr. Cipollone and Mr. Philbin are the most senior people who worked for Trump who are known to have been interviewed by investigators after the archives referred the matter to the Justice Department this year. The interviews are a sign of the intensity of the investigation into how sensitive government material left the White House with Donald and remained at his Palm Beach, Florida residence for more than a year. Philbin was interviewed in the spring, according to two of the people familiar with the matter, as investigators reached out to members of Trump's circle to find out how 15 boxes of material, some of it classified, made its way to Mar-a-Lago. It was unclear when Cipollone was interviewed. This all happened this past spring. And we, we're just now hearing about it. That is how tight-lipped and leak-proof this Department of Justice is. Oh, yeah. Now, Mr. Cipollone and Mr. Philbin were two of Mr. Trump's representatives to deal with the National Archives. They were named to the position shortly before the president's term ended. Another was Mark Meadows, the former White House chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point after, and by the way, they got Meadows' phone in April. 
And then they paid a visit to Mar-a-Lago in June. I just thought that was interesting. At some point, after National Archives officials realized they did not have Trump White House documents, which are required to be preserved under the Presidential Records Act, they contacted Philbin to help return them. The the National Archives was like, Pat, hey, Pat, help us out. (laughs) And a spokesperson for Philbin didn't immediately respond to a request for comment, but Philbin tried to help the National Archives retrieve the material. And that's according to two people familiar with the discussions. But the former president repeatedly resisted entreaties from his advisors. Philbin was like, give this shit back, bro. And Trump was like, it's not theirs, it's mine. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) It's mine, according to several advisors that uh, Trump told them. These are mine. And that's kind of what we've sort of been talking about, right? Like, why does he have these? He thinks all this shit is his. And among the items in the boxes packed up from the White House residence as Trump was departing was Trump's correspondence with Kim Jong-un, as well as a letter to Trump from former President Barack Obama when Obama departed the White House. Uh, But there was also a variety of other documents that traveled to Mar-a-Lago. The former president returned 15 boxes of stuff to National Archives in January, but the Justice Department issued a subpoena in May. May, guys, for documents that it believed were still at the club. And on June 3rd, counterintelligence officials with the Justice Department's National Security Division went themselves to Mar-a-Lago to collect remaining documents with classified markings. And I've posited, I I haven't seen any confirmation of this, but I think they sent the head of espionage and counterintelligence because he might be the only guy at the Justice Department with a high enough clearance to even hold these documents. Now, Evan Corcoran, a lawyer for Trump, who was said to have suggested the former president resolve the matter with the Justice Department, went through the material which was kept in boxes in a storage area in the basement. And before that meeting, and that's according to two people familiar with the move, it's unclear if he was the only one to do so. And that, if he was looking at classified documents without having clearance, that's also a national security problem and a potential crime. Now, at that point, at least one Trump lawyer signed a statement saying material with classified markings had been returned. And that's according to four people familiar with that signed document. Although it wasn't clear specifically what the statement attested to, The two lawyers on site for the meeting who worked with Trump were Corcoran and Bob, Christina Bob. She's the one who signed the receipts that she had the copy of the warrant and the inventory Mm -hmm. list on Monday, the same day that the search warrant was executed, and then went out and said, release the stuff that I have. It was absolutely bananas. She signed both of those documents. I think she might have signed this one, but it it could have been Corcoran. I'm not sure. Officials then used the subpoena to obtain surveillance footage of the hallway outside the storage room and saw something that alarmed them. They also received information from at least one witness who indicated that more material might remain at the residence. (laughs) Philbin is among eight people who currently or used to work for Trump who have now been contacted by the FBI since a grand jury was formed this year. Investigators also interviewed Derek Lyons, former White House staff secretary. Mr. Lyons' last day at the White House was December 18th, 2020, meaning he did not know how the last boxes were packed as Trump prepared to leave, but he had information about paper flow in the White House. And the FBI has reached out to about a half a dozen people who currently work for Donald Trump who might know what documents he may still have in his possession. I think the story is going to get bigger. I really do. I can't wait to hear who the mole is, too, who turned this son of a bitch in. (laughs) All right. President Biden on Tuesday signed a long-awaited bill meant to reduce health costs reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and raise taxes on corporations and wealthy investors, capping more than a year of on-again, off-again negotiations and cementing his early economic legacy. This is a quote. The bill is the biggest step forward on climate ever. 
Mr. Biden said, our dear president, after drawing a standing ovation from a White House crowd filled largely with aides and allies. <laughs> That's what a weird sentence. The crowd was filled largely with aides and allies. I know. They work there. And who do you think is going to should they, you think they're going to bust in the January 6th insurrectionists to watch the bill signing? It really is a weird statement. <laughs> like there's just a bunch of Republicans <laughs> off the streets that were like, I want to check this out. <laughs> and they're like, boo. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the bill, which Democrats named the Inflation Reduction Act, what it did is invest three hundred and seventy billion with a B in spending on tax credits and low emission forms of energy to fight climate change. It extends federal health insurance subsidies, allows the government to negotiate prescription drug prices for seniors on Medicare and is expected to reduce the federal budget deficit by about three hundred billion with a B over 10 years unless a Republican somehow gets in there, and then we're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> now, the legislation would increase taxes by about $300 billion, largely by imposing new levies on big corporations. The law includes a new tax on certain corporate stock repurchases and a minimum tax on large firms that use deductions and other methods to reduce their tax bills. It also bolsters funding for the Internal Revenue Service in an effort to crack down on tax evasion and collect potentially hundreds of billions of dollars that are currently owed to the government but not paid by high earners and corporations, which is why a lot of these Republicans are screaming at the top of their lungs. Now, it passed the House and the Senate earlier this month entirely along party lines, not surprising, as Democrats employed a legislative process to bypass a Republican filibuster. Now, the bill represents America's largest investment to fight climate change. It is aimed at helping the United States cut greenhouse gas emissions by an estimated 40 percent below 2005 levels. They're hoping to reach that by 2030. Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. And that would put the country within striking distance of Mr. Biden's goal of cutting emissions at least 50 percent over that time period. So this is the first time anything like this has been signed. That's going to be yeah. such a, a big effort to help fight the climate crisis. So we're moving in the right direction. I'm glad it's there. Yeah. And if you get a chance, seek out Joyce Vance on Twitter. And she notes a little something that happened in the video after the signing. Biden sat at that little tiny desk. You know, he signed the bill and he handed the pen to Joe Manchin and stared him the fuck down for like a good three seconds and then shook his hand like, motherfucker. It was a sight to <laughs> behold. And and Joyce Vance tweeted about that moment and asked for the video. And then people were posting videos and pictures of it, you know, as replies to that tweet. So you can go seek that out. I recommend it. It's, good, it's a good watch. And in another filing in the Pete Navarro case, the Department of Justice contests a bunch of ridiculous claims and demands made by Pete Navarro. And there's a couple of key takeaways. There's the, DOJ's got a pretty cool sense of humor, I have to say. First, Navarro said the DOJ has withheld some evidence in discovery, and it says he apparently bases this theory on the small amount of information that they've gotten from the DOJ in discovery. The DOJ responds saying, size doesn't matter, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, they say, quote, while the volume of discovery might be small, its volume is not a reflection of its thoroughness. We're a grower, not a shower. That's what that was. (laughs) Instead... It's the motion of the ocean. No, (laughs) instead, it reflects the straightforward nature of this case. The defendant received a subpoena, ignored the subpoena's document demand, refused to appear for testimony despite the admonition that he must. That's it. That's the whole fucking case. What are you expecting to get in discovery? Having received, they went on to say, all the information to which he's entitled under the rules and controlling law, 
The defendant's motion seeks discovery on defenses that are unavailable to him under the law, attempts to force the government to go fishing for irrelevant information in far-flung government files by erroneously expanding the prosecution team, and demands discovery on collateral and grand jury matters without making the threshold showing that he's entitled to such information. The defendant's motion should be denied. And I've been reading DOJ filings for a long time. That's a funny, that's funny. (laughs) Trust me, that's like a little bit of shade (laughs) thrown in by the DOJ. They go on to say, Second, the defendant's continuing claims about his arrest are based on a misrepresentation of the facts and his posture toward the government at the time of his arrest. (laughs) He didn't comply, basically. He claims that it was unprecedented and unusual that he was not permitted to self-report. That contrary to the defendant's claims, however, it's not law enforcement's normal practice to ask combative, unrepresented subjects to self-surrender. Jeez. So he's like, why didn't you just tell me to, why'd you come and arrest me and stuff? They're like, it's not really our practice to ask combative, unrepresented subjects to self-surrender. At the time he was indicted and arrested, the defendant was not represented, and only a few days before, when the case agents attempted to interview him and serve him with a subpoena at his residence, the defendant at first refused to open the door, and then when he did, told the agents, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a footnote number six, which says, by the way, that that interaction was videotaped. Feels like Department of Justice wanted to make sure we knew that video exists. So somebody can go FOIA it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Now, the filing goes on. The defendant also has an extensive history of seeking out news coverage. To avoid a media circus, therefore, the arresting agents encountered the defendant in a discreet location on a jet bridge at an airport, removed him to the tarmac, and took him to be booked from there, all out of sight of the public. Because we know he likes cameras. Finally, The defendant's remaining claims relate to two events that occurred even before the crime had been committed. And Dana, that's followed by a redacted paragraph, likely due to grand jury secrecy, because the follow-up statement says, nevertheless, the defendant asserts that these events, the, the ones that were redacted, and testimony reflect some improper pressure being applied by the committee or the White House to the prosecutors in this case, forcing them to make, quote, improper discriminatory decisions discriminating against Pete Navarro. But his claims are based on pure speculation, they say. So it sounds to me like Navarro is trying to say Biden made the investigators do this, right? Like, it's like, no, that's... It's a reach. It's a reach. And he wanted, there's a footnote that says, in his motion, the defendant accuses the government of shielding from him the existence of communications between the Department of Justice including the Office of Legal Counsel and the Select Committee or the White House. This isn't true. On July 27th, prior to the defendant's motion, the government told counsel, we do not have any correspondence between the White House, the Select (laughs) Committee, and the Department of Justice. It doesn't fucking exist. And he's he's trying to say it's they're withholding exculpatory information from him. Then Navarro demands grand jury materials, and Department of Justice says, fuck off, bro. To pierce grand jury secrecy, you have to have evidence of extreme wrongdoing that doesn't exist here, and you failed to show a need. And this is funny. In addition to the exculpatory evidence the defendant claims was withheld from a grand jury is not, in fact, exculpatory. (laughs) This is so much shade. It is. I love this filing. Basically, Pete wanted the government to tell the grand jury about two OLC memos that he thinks shows he doesn't have to respond in a subpoena. 
but they don't. And in a footnote, they say it's like C. Bannon. Oh my God. <laughs> you check, check that guy. <laughs> yeah, the, those OLC members. No, no. Oh my nope. God. Oh man. All right. This story, it, it, we're going to keep going back to it because it's just, it's continues to unfold even though it seemed like a dead end. But the two top House Democrats alleged on Tuesday that the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General has refused to cooperate and has even hindered an investigation into those deleted U.S. Secret Service messages that were related to January 6th and called for him to comply with congressional demands. Now, this is not the first time that the duo, Rep. Carolyn Maloney, who chairs the House Oversight Panel, and Rep. Benny Thompson, who's just fucking incredible, who chairs the Homeland Security and January 6th Select Panel, that they have questioned Inspector General Joseph Kufari's part in the probe. Now, earlier this month, Maloney and Thompson alleged that there was evidence of a cover-up within the Inspector General's probe of the missing text messages and called for Kufari to, quote, step aside, move it over. Now, in a letter to Kufari on Tuesday, Maloney and Thompson called on his office to comply with congressional requests for documents and interviews. They noted that Kufari had previously blocked his staff from sitting for transcribed interviews. This guy's all over this shit. Now, Maloney and Thompson recalled several instances in which Kafari had failed to properly report information to Congress regarding the missing text messages. Your obstruction of the committee's investigations is unacceptable, and your justifications of this noncompliance appear to reflect a fundamental misunderstanding of Congress's authority and your duties as Inspector General. That's from the Congressional Committee. <laughs> More shade. Went on to say, if you continue to refuse to comply with our requests, we will have no choice but to consider alternate measures to ensure your compliance, Ooh. the letter added. Dun, dun, dun. So right now, Kafari must provide all requested documents and ensure employees requested for interviews are made available by August 23rd. This is very soon. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a week away. And uh, we're about two weeks away from the end of August, at which point Biden will either have to extend the pause on student loan payments because mm-hmm. it expires August 31st, write off some debt, cancel some student loan debt, or do nothing and let the thing expire and people have to start paying back their student loans. And if I had to guess, AG, <laughs> if I may, just because we're getting closer to an election, and you know what, if this is what they decide to do, I'm fine with that. I would not be surprised if there's an extension or something that increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been saying for a long time that Biden, if he has the power to cancel student debt, if he has that power, he'll do it when it's politically advantageous and he'll keep pausing the repayment until that time. And he fucking should. He really should. Because first of all, if he just does nothing and people have to start paying back, that's not going to be good. That sucks that people vote based on that shit. But it's going to be bad if, if that's what happens. So my bet is it's either pushed back or he'll forgive. My beans? Give me the beans! Is, he's going to forgive 10000 of everyone's student loans. I wish he would do more, but I think he's, uh, he's stuck on this 10000 number. But that might have been a leaked story so that he could come out and do more and everybody will be really surprised and happy. That's true. But I think he's, I think he's going to cancel that student debt and pause the repayment. I think he'll do both. I'm fine with Democrats finally trying to learn how to play this game. I'm fine (laughs) with it. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. And uh, we've got a lot of really awesome good news. If you have any good news, you can send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com. We'll be right back with that after this quick break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, I want to talk about something I use literally every day. 
Uh, I started taking Athletic Greens AG1 because I wanted an optimized immune system and a supplement that actually tastes delicious. Plus, I wanted to consolidate the like 20 something bottles of different probiotics and adaptogens and stuff that I took every day. It was just getting to be very expensive and kind of inconvenient. But with one delicious scoop of AG1, you get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it tastes amazing. That's why I take it uh, even with me when I go traveling. I get those travel packs. And speaking of that, uh, we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. They're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. And in 2020, Athletic Greens purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests so you can be healthy and help the planet. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you that free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And as you know, I have had my Helix mattress for a while now. It is the best thing I've ever done for myself because now I sleep like a baby. Uh, I was sleeping on a mattress made for somebody else before, and I would toss and turn. I would wake up sore. It was awful. But Helix Sleep has a lineup now of 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models. One's for big and tall sleepers. They even have a mattress made just for kids. And you can find which one is perfect for you by taking their two-minute online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. They ship it right to your door free of charge. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. If you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's the perfect combination of comfort and support. And Helix mattresses are American-made. They come with a 10 or sometimes a 15-year warranty, depending on the model. Uh, I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. So this is the best mattress I've ever owned. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Just head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, pod pet photos, adoptable pets in your area, you want to give a shout out to how awesome your significant other or kid or friend is, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Also, August 22nd, that's Monday, we will be live at Largo with myself, the How We Win pod host, Steve Pearson, Frangela, the Frangela duo, just absolutely wonderful ladies, the Midas Touch Boys, and Kathy Griffin. You can get your tickets at HowWeWinLive.com, and every single penny goes to help Democrats in the midterms. So that's awesome. First up from Deborah, pronouns she, they. Hey, sisters, so glad I found your show. Longtime dyke, first time writer inner. I am van life nomad traveler. I'm a van life nomad traveler. So your news is important to me. I was priced out of my abode in a tiny studio city neighborhood. So now I winter on the street in front of said house. But fortunately, I will be back in L.A. to attend a fundraiser at Largo. Excited. Awesome. 
As one of the five lesbians who does not have an animal, same girl, same, there will be no pet tax, except of this cat statue from Toronto and a never to be seen in the USA, an ad featuring lesbians. Also, one of me and Mary Van, good story of the van name, but you'll have to buy me a drink to get it. So thanks, women, for the news, analysis, and swearing. See you August 22nd. Swing left. Here is my outro. Fuck yeah. Vote these heartless asswipes out. Vote blue over Q. I love that they gave us a very large ceramic cat. I appreciate that. (laughs) Awesome. I also love this next ad. It's cute. Oh, it's so nice to see representation. And you look awesome in your photo in Sedona. It looks like Sedona. I could be wrong, but that does look like Sedona. Yeah, that looks like Bell Rock, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a little that bit. That's the Highway 89 behind her there, I think. Love it. Thank you so much. And let's see what we got here. We got <laughs> Diane, pronounce she and her. I thought you might enjoy the pod pet pick of Tanner with just the tip of his little pink tongue sticking out. Here's one of five Maine Coons we rescued six years ago. Chonker hoodlums. Love what you do. <laughs> Thank you, Diane. And they are cute. Should I go on to Ronnie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. But All I right. Love this, I love this blip. I know. So All right. This is from Ronnie Pronoun. She and her. Greetings, Beans Queens. You've been the thing I listen to out here in Redding, Calabama at 4 a. That's hilarious. At 4 a.m. and allows me to laugh, feel less alone and gratitude for others with empathy existing before I sleep. My misheard lyric is in your intro song. I thought I heard it's true. I swear it for like a year before it dawned on me. Only after hearing others mishears recently. But then again, I once had a bottle of body wash that said 72 uses, and I spent months and months trying to figure out what they were. Ten fingers and toes, etc., wondering if they meant cleaning house, doing laundry, washing pet, etc. In my defense, I grew up with the Lever 2000 commercials. I wish I had video of me hysterically cracking up when the bottle ran out, and I realized it's that kind of uses. 72 uses. Picture of my tailspin my tailspin, who was legit rescued from a meth house 10 years ago and started her life living in a purse. Her and the tiny dinosaurs, Pretty and the Jende, and Sancho, the green check. I feel like there's a lot of words here that are just really tripping me up. Conyer? Conjure? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Conyer? The green check Conyer have kept me connected to this earth for the last few years, for sure, as have Hey, you're like, don't ask me. I have a head injury. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on your own today. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Green Check Conyers have been kept connected to this earth for the last few years, for sure. As have you with your humor, empathy, kindness, and daily reminder that I'm not alone in this universe and we can beat these monsters. Look at the kitty. Oh, look at that second picture. Hmm. And, and the then burps. the birds. <laughs> I think we just said the exact same thing in the exact same way. Yes, we did. We did. I think we might be rubbing off on each other. Okay, oh, dear. Uh, next up from Jane from Michigan, pronoun she and her. Just thought I'd send along some pictures of my burrower, Louie. The 10 pound dog keeps our other bigger dogs in line. Of course, of course he does. Look at the baby. So sweet. Look at the smile. And then uh, from Jeff. P, pronouns he and him. So my wife and I were at a wonderful brisket joint for our 14th anniversary, and we didn't start the fire came on, and I realized that for years I thought the line was trouble in the sewers. Trouble (laughs) in the sewers. Which actually makes 
a weird sort of sense. When I first heard it, I was a native New Yorker. And so New York City. That's funny. Totally. All right. I'm going to let your brain rest. I'm going to take on this one. Thank you. Patsy pronouns she and her one longtime listener and several newbies. Sometimes it's hard to find your people. We defy the odds in this little old country town down in a very red part of Texas. Beto visited our country, excuse me, our county, sometimes a country. Beto Beto visited our county during his Senate run in 2018. It was standing room only for the hundred or so people who attended. The crowd size was a minor miracle in such a red county. Most of us did not know each other at the time. We each discovered the fledging Scurry County Democrats group as soon after and stealthily started trying to grow our numbers. We made calls, registered voters, distributed door hangers, and block walked. We went from 10 early members to more than 30 today. Our meeting minutes are sent to more than 60 people. The hard work is paying off. The second time Beto came here was in July. Twice as many people attended the town hall in our local library. Can't stop, won't stop. We are fired up. We are more than a political group. We now consider each other friends and family. Recently, the group gained several young Democrats who are educating us on social media. We now range in age from 16 to 84. And you can find us at at Scurry Dems, S-C-U-R-R-Y. Scurry Dems on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. (laughs) That must have been written by the 84-year-old because they called it the Facebook. (laughs) One of our exceedingly talented members has also formed a Young Democrats group. And that handle is at Big Country Young Dems. Would be thrilled to have the support of you wonderful ladies and our fellow listeners. Thanks for brightening our days with the news and swearing. We hope you enjoy these photos of our group. And of course, we have some pet taxes to submit as well. The first photo is part of our group. Second, we have the founder of the at Big Country Young Dems showing us how block walking is done. And the third is Izzy's cat Pippins. Look at this. This is so awesome. I love it. What amazing work that you're doing. Oh, look at the bling on this kitty. Oh. So yeah, what a cool entry. I love this. I love I, I love everything about this. Growing this. I'll, I'll see if I can jump on Twitter and give y'all a shout out. Everybody go follow both of those accounts on Twitter, Scurry Dems and uh, Big Country Young Dems. Make sure you give them a follow. And this seems like a, a good time to bring up this kind of activism is a part of a new podcast that's going to be on the MSW Media Network. It's called What Can I Do? And it's a podcast from Kelly Therese Pollock and, and Lila Nordstrom. So the goal of this podcast is to let you know how to get started with activism, the simple, easy steps you can take. And so, you know, we can model ourselves after what Patsy here is doing, doing down in Texas. So, Absolutely. So brilliant. So great. So keep up that awesome work and Everybody follow them on Twitter and the socials and the Facebook. And uh, do you have any final thoughts before I go to the doctor, Dana? Oh, I don't. Just go to the doctor. I love you, my dear friend. Just let me see you tomorrow. That's all I ask. Yes, I will be here tomorrow. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. 
Hey everyone, it's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. Live.com.